All right, we are back to podcast, Sunday night podcast, and um, we will be having Wednesday podcast this week. Uh, It'll be our week off, and uh, I told you that I'm going to try to do that occasionally, especially uh, just in light of schedules, and I I know I've had a few of you talk to me about your, uh, your schedule a little bit. And so I'll try to work with you. Uh, we will have more uh, more in-person studies than not. When I say, you know, a week uh, break or something, that's that's where it'll be. I'll try to meet more uh, three times a month, three to four times a month, and take a week off. Uh, just stepping it up a little bit. We used to go every other uh, week, and attendance has really uh, picked up. And I want to honor that. I want to let everybody know how much I appreciate that. And therefore, uh, we'll have uh, podcast tonight, podcast on Sunday. I'm sorry, podcast on tonight, podcast Wednesday. And then on Sunday, we will, uh, or then next week, we will meet back for in-person Bible study. All right, John 8, very long chapter. John chapter 8 is very long. Verse fifty nine is um, is uh, fifty nine verses is how many we have uh, in this chapter. So we'll, we're definitely not going to cover it all uh, this evening. We'll probably get about half of it. Um, chapter or verse twenty nine is actually a good breaking point. Um, so most likely we'll get to verse twenty nine. Of John 8. So let's start in verse 1. A very familiar text. Jesus went out into the Mount of Olives. Okay, a lot goes on here. Um, he'll be returning here. Uh, he's coming to the base of the Mount of Olives. And uh, so much, so much good stuff going to happen in Jerusalem and, and in the surrounding area uh, in the latter days or in the millennium and eternity. Uh, So Jesus is going back to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. So notice again, he's drawing crowds, not as much as he was, because, uh, of course, he's he's, a lot of people have kind of had it with the strong preaching, strong teaching. And so uh, his crowd have dwindled some, but he's still still attracting crowds. Anytime you preach and teach the truth, you're going to attract crowds. You're going to there's going to be some not want it, not want anything to do with it. But thank God, there's always a faithful remnant that love and appreciate Bible teaching and Bible preaching. That's what we have. I remember when I was coming up in the ministry and um, preacher that that had he grew up in in church and his dad was a preacher and things and me and him were talking about you know preaching the bible uh teaching the bible in a and in an exodus manner like we like i do he does as well and um in talking about it i remember me and him talking and i remember his statement he's made he said he made he said that um You'll always have a place to preach if you preach the Bible. And that's the truth. I found that to be true in my ministry. 
Um, I've never really lacked or, or wanted a, a place to preach. There's been times when I wasn't preaching as much as I desired, um, which will always be the case. Preacher wants to preach, but um, but I will say that um, that God has always been faithful to me as I've been available to teach the Word of God, preach the Word of God. And so Jesus, of course, everybody's not going to like it. Everybody's not going to want to be around it. Everybody's not going to be exposed to the truth. And Jesus has seen that. He's seen many leave, but now he's attracting crowds. And the Bible says in verse 3, And the scribes and Pharisees, notice he taught them. When they came to him, they taught. he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. In other words, uh, she got caught in the act of doing of committing adultery. Now, funny thing about this shows you how um, discriminatory people can be against those that they're closest to. They took her. But for adultery to be committed, it, there has to be two parties. Nothing's mentioned of the man here. No mention whatsoever of the man. I don't know. He could have been kin to somebody. He could have been a preacher. He could have been uh, somebody higher, higher up. Not a preacher necessarily. I mean, they didn't have preachers as we do now. They had disciples and apostles and followers and teachers. But at any rate, he could have been a higher up in the temple. He could have um, been kinfolk to, to one of them. We, we don't know, but we do know that they brought the woman to Jesus, but they didn't bring the man. Nothing mentioned. Now, stoning is the punishment for them. You look up the word of God, you look it up in the law, stoning is the punishment for adultery. And there's no sight of the man. Just a woman. So they bring her to him, set her in the midst. They say she was caught in the very act. So it was going on. There's no doubt. Now Moses in the law commanded us that thou shouldest be stoned. What sayest thou? So there, you know what this reminds This reminds me of quote unquote meet and greets before churches vote uh, on a preacher. It, it reminds me of sit before a deacon committee or a pastoral search committee where they're just looking for how you're going to answer something. They've caught this woman in the act. They've caught this man in the act. And they're not, they don't believe Jesus is, is God at this point. They don't believe he's the son of God at this point. But yet, just to see how he's going to answer in this situation, to see what he's going to have to say about this situation, because he's already shown not a disdain for the law, but he's already shown and demonstrated that he's, he's not bound by the law to the degree that they look at it because he's not a legalist, and he's come to fulfill the law. He wrote the word of God. He wrote the law. 
And so because of Jesus' demonstration already and his propensity to uh, do things different than them, they bring the woman and not the man, and they are doing so just basically to find out how Jesus is going to handle it, find out what Jesus has got to say about this matter. So that's, and, and notice how cute they are. They actually remind Jesus of what the law of Moses says. This religious people, people are still like this. People act just like this today. And so here's Jesus, the son of God, fingered the law of God himself into the stones. And they are reminding him of what Moses said in the law. Unbelievable. What sayest thou, they want to know in verse 5. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. You see that? They did it with an ulterior motive that they might accuse him. They knew what his answer was. His, his answer. They knew that his answer would be different than what their tradition taught. I think people do that with me sometimes. I, I think they'll come to me and ask me a question knowing good and full well that there's a good chance that my answer is going to be a little bit different than what their tradition has typically taught. So, what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with a finger wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. So Jesus, in his Jesus manner, just sits down and stoops down and ignores them, starts writing in the ground. So when they continued asking him, of course, they, they were going to press the matter. They had to have their answer probably to take it back to their buddy that didn't want to come, come to hear Jesus teach, wanted to crucify him. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Oh boy, this puts a new perspective on it, doesn't it? He doesn't say, now notice this, he does not say, Whoever among you has not committed adultery, let him cast the first stone at her. It's not what he says. He says, who among you that has not sinned, that is without sin? Because you see, they're thinking to themselves, we don't commit adultery. We, we've not committed adultery. And they're ranking sin. They're ranking sin by sins that they've committed versus sins that someone else is committing. They are ranking sin by what what someone else is guilty of versus what they're guilty of. And so Jesus said, okay, we'll stone her. You want to stone her? We'll stone her. I'm not going to stone her myself. I'm going to authorize the stoning. What? Jesus is going to authorize the stoning? Jesus says, I'm authorizing the stoning right here. And the way he does is he says the the, whichever one of you does not have sin, whichever one of you has not sinned, whichever one of you has not committed sin. So he doesn't limit the sin to adultery. Now, we need to remember that. I mean, this is Jesus teaching. Okay. 
Red Letter Bible, Jesus teaching. And he's, he's saying, look, if there's any among you that hasn't sinned, you can be the first one to pick up the stone and start stoning this woman to death. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's far different than what, what they believe. And so, them going to Jesus to get a different answer than what their tradition taught, they, they're getting what, what they wanted. Because they're getting a completely different answer than what their tradition teaches. And you know, that's how people can be. They can look at a dope addict and think they're better. Don't think they're as bad. Let me put it like that. Because a lot of people have trouble looking in terms of thinking they're better. Some don't. Some, some absolutely think they're better. But some people might not go as far as to think they're better than someone else, but they look at it in terms of they're not as bad as someone else. You know, I, I don't, I haven't done the things he's done. I'm not quite that bad. I haven't done the things that she's done. I'm not quite that bad. I've never been to a bar. I've never, you know, I've never been promiscuous. I've never... Uh, you know, because see, we grade and we rate sin, and so this is a, a this is a serious sin. This is a serious subject matter. This is one of the subject matters, one of the sins that Jesus said, God said in His Word, that if you were found guilty of, that you could, under the penalty of the law, be stoned. That's how serious. Of a subject matter this is. That's how serious of a sin, of an offense this is. But when Jesus brings about the comparison, he doesn't compare adultery with adultery. He compares sin with sin. And so he's putting sin, he's putting sin at the same level no matter what. He's saying sin is sin. No matter what you believe, no matter what you think of the matter, sin is sin. One sin, the white lie, the bad attitude, the gossip, the jealousy, the envy, the idolatry will send you to hell. The pride will send you to hell as quick as the adultery. A lot of times quicker than the adultery. Because the adultery, you acknowledge and you know that it's wrong and it's sin. But we have a hard time acknowledging these other issues as being sin. But yet they are. So Jesus says, whoever's, whoever's without sin among you, go ahead, start, start it up. Let's stone her. He bends back down again, stooped down, he wrote on the ground. Boy, this is good. By the way, the, the verse for stoning of adultery is in Leviticus 20.10. Verse 9, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. So he, his words convicted them, the Bible said. Convicted them of their hypocrisy. Convicted them of their self-righteousness. Convicted them of their idolatry. 
of themselves, their idolatry of, of the level of religiosity that they, they feel like they have earned. So the Bible says here, and they which heard it, or verse number 10, and when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? So he's ignoring them, but he, he knows the answer. And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Hmm. A lot done packed right there, so let's talk about it. He's saying, number one, where's all these guys at that were accusing you? Where, where are they at? Are they ready to stone you? He knew the answer. But he's asking her a question that would require an answer. And she responds, no, no man's here. No, nobody's thrown the stone. Nobody started to stone me. No, Lord, nobody. He says, neither do I condemn thee, but he doesn't let her off the hook. Now, this is beautiful. Notice how balanced in his, in his teaching Jesus is. Jesus does not allow self-righteousness. Jesus does not allow hypocrisy. Jesus does not allow judgment. He does not allow legalism. He does not allow them to treat her in such a manner. But he also doesn't let her buy with her sin. You see that? He's just not going to allow them to be judges over her sin. He is the judge over her sin. So let's look at it from the other perspective, because he deal with, deal, deals with it from the legalist perspective, but now let's talk about it from the libertine's perspective or the liberal's perspective. What is their perspective? Ah, we're all just sinners saved by grace. This ain't no big deal. There were two parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a man's going to be a man and a woman's going to be a woman. It's adultery. So Jesus doesn't let her off the hook for the adultery. He commands her to go and sin no more. He's just not going to let the Pharisees judge her for her adultery. Do you see the difference there? Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He says, I'm the light of the world, folks. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. So Pharisees were telling him that he's lying. Jesus answered and said unto them, Thou, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but you cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. Jesus says, my judgment is true. My judgment's always going to be true. And then he says here, uh, verse number... Uh, 16, but I and the Father that it sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye would have known my father also. <clears throat> These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. 
and no man laid hands on him, for his hour is not yet come. So again, he's reiterating who his father is. He is reiterating the fact that God is his father. He's reiterating the fact that he is the son of God. Then Jesus said unto them, I go my way, you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Now, why are they going to die in their sins? Why is he telling them they're going to die in their sins? They're going to die in their sins because they are denying and disputing the word of God, that he is the son of God. Do you see this? Do you see what's going on? He is telling them, you're not off the hook. No one's going to be off the hook in this matter. Not the woman that's committed adultery and not you. You don't want to acknowledge me as being the son of God. That is the only thing that will send someone to hell. Not adultery, not drunkenness, not lying, not stealing. Those things are the sins that condemn us. But what's going to send you to hell is your refusal to acknowledge Jesus Christ being the only Savior and not your works from these sins. You see what I mean? Because, and what that does, that does away with a lot of self-righteousness where you've got someone that's come up in a church They've never been exposed to bad. They've never been exposed to a lot of sin. They've never committed a lot, but they've never been saved. They've never had the Holy Ghost convict their hearts and draw them and woo them by the grace of Almighty God. And so Jesus is letting, putting everybody on notice. He, put, he told the woman who was called in adultery, he said, you're wrong, go and sin no more. But then he turns to their other group, the Pharisees, and he says, you don't believe in the Son of God, you're going to die in your sins. You need a Savior. You're no better than her. Morally good, lost people are no better than the guy down at the bar in, the, in standing with God. They may be better as far as Standing with men, standing with the community, being a good neighbor, being a good person, being a good friend, but standing before God, we all need Jesus. Okay. Then said they in here, or verse number 21, then said Jesus unto them, I go my way, ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will, ye kill, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, ye cannot come. So they're trying to figure out what he means about this death business. He said unto them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. He said, I've not changed. I've not wavered. I am exactly who I've always told you that I was. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. And they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, 
and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do those things always, or for I do always those things that please him. So I love that verse. That's a great verse. That Bible said that he always does that which pleases the Father. And that's a challenge. I'm closing that this 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 lesson with verse 29. Jesus said, For I do always those things that please him. That's our challenge tonight. That's our challenge in this lesson. That's our challenge in this study. That's our challenge as Christians, as believers, living for God, is to always do those things that please Jesus. Not do they please man, not do they please our family. Does what I'm doing please God the Father? Does it please Jesus Christ? Jesus as our example in all matters of faith and practice said, I always do those things which please him. Let that be what you go on this week with, that you, you seek to always do that which pleases God. That's what I want. I want to please him. At the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter is did we please God? Not did we make a, a, a a woman happy, a man happy, our children happy, our families happy. Did I please God? That's our desire. Because Jesus said, I always do those things which please the Father. A lot to unpack here in John chapter number 8, verses 1 through 29. He deals with Pharisees. He deals with hypocrites. He deals with self-righteousness. He deals with sin. And he says... Every one of you need me. The adulterer needs me. The drunkard needs me. The whoremonger needs me. The church member needs me. Sunday school teacher needs me. Deacon needs me. Singer needs me. Preacher needs me. The morally upstanding businessman or doctor or physician or nurse or banker in the community, they need me. Everyone needs me, no matter what level of class or in society you are. When it comes to your standing before God, we're all the same. And that was his message in the early parts of John 8. And he goes on to say, I'm the light of the world. So your standing before God is going to be dictated and predicated on what you do with me, what you believe about me. And so understanding that, we close out John 8, 1 through 29, with our desire to do that which pleases the Father. I hope you've enjoyed this first part of John chapter number 8. We'll continue in the second part of John chapter number 8 on Wednesday night. Good night. God bless. I love all of you. Have a great start to your week.